0: extrem schön sophiele i mean yeah just oh, two okay, words, okay. So. no no
1: she told me <laughs> <English>. yes <laughs> <laughs> she told me you will do the introduction in english so i just was <laughs> so <laughs> yeah okay extrem
2: schön
0: sophiele altebeke ferten das sehen wieder zu sehen wieder sehen zu dürfen no my switch <laughs> We just spoke in the ashram a few days ago. Um, really, if one is sinking a little down in the state of the of the longings of the soul, we start to realize really there's only one family. Auta mm-hmm. Gotra. It's the family of souls slowly, slowly turning towards home. And then we discussed, oh, actually a person who, is, who has fragmented vision, who looks towards reality through patterns to fragment mm-hmm. everything. Then one sees many different families. Mm-hmm. Hmm see we and others and but that's why i'm so happy to be with my family here today (laughs) (laughs) and if we really enter satsang it's never just to i'm sitting down and It will be maybe an interesting afternoon. It shouldn't be like, never like this. It would be horrible. When I ride, it was interesting. This means there was some thought, food for thought. (laughs) There was some food for a conditioned side in us. But actually satsang when coming together and Maharaj, most of the devotees here and except Arya if i see you for the first time mm-hmm. and <laughs> Navamani the new jewel <laughs> but we are all they're all on the path since centuries but in this life, also for a long, long time. (laughs) So this means we're not just coming together. Yeah, it's it's cool. (laughs) It's nice, but it's it's shocking, actually. This is the nature of satsang. In Vrindavan, they say many times, and one can have the experience satsang makes sad and because it opens completely new doors and i was so comfortable how i arranged my life till now so and we will there, that, take a risk. Because the deeper a love goes, the greater is a risk. And for the greatest, deepest love is a very big risk. Even Arjuna, it? it's part of the same family, <laughs> another body, um, Arjuna, Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, he says he is a person who grew up spiritually. Today we would say he went to, is a guru Kuli. <laughs> He went to spiritual education for a long time and I saw this, we see this all around us. We are in a Christian culture and many are just by the name this uh, a, a Christian it's not a life thing and s- sometimes one can see this in Vaishnava Sanghas also that's it's just um, a title it's just like my my belief, but one is not throwing oneself in the consequence in the implication of such a thing. So Arjuna grew up and many things were yeah, natural and hurt so much. <clears throat> but then after some shocking experience in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, He says so beautifully, viṣṭaren ātmano yōgam vibhūtiṁ Janardana." Krishna, can you please speak more about you? And it will be nava. It will be ever fresh and it will ever new. And I will never ever become tired of that. There is a very famous Jewish writer. His name is Isaac Bashevis Singer. You know him, Ishak Bashevis mm. Singer. a yeah. Lit, uh, no, literature Nobel Prize tiger, mm. and he wrote in a novel about some children who were playing hide and seek, and one boy was hiding very well. looking but then the others they couldn't find him and at one point they turned home and he was very excited in his hiding place it was a good one and (laughs) (laughs) you know then he came out after a long time but really they cannot find me but he came out after a long time no one was looking for him and then he was looking for them but they were all they went home so and he describes in a very beautiful way the sadness of that person and really he this story is after turned about god how sad radha and krishna must be when the souls who were initially little searching stop their search it must be a very sad experience. So this and it's true, sometimes many are more intense searchers before they find the path.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And when they find above, it's it goes the intensity of the search <laughs> goes down. And Maharaj and me we spoke a lot also on that mood of never, ever arriving, never, ever reaching. Imagine the eternal spiritual world. Mother Shoda going up in the morning and saying, you know, eternity is quite long. (laughs) And to wake him up every morning and giving him. something to eat, it would be unbearable. It's only possible when there is such an excitement and such an intensity, actually growing intensity Mm
3: -hmm.
0: in eternity. So this is like, we come to satsang as a risk. Just now we were all quite comfortable in our spiritual life somehow. But satsang is here to um, change a perspective and increase in intensity. So I'm very thankful that my dear friend Padmanabha Maharaj is here. We heard about each other for a long time, but met not so long ago and it's exciting when some heart brothers exist on this earth and i must say this for each and every one of you also it's exciting <laughs> that some heart brothers and sisters exist here and padmanabha Maharaj he just wrote a wonderful book it's called radical personal personalism. You have it here? Sorry, you have it here. At least I can show it.
1: promotion time.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> um, there's many, many deep thoughts of many decades of engaging in spiritual life, and sometimes also seeing that many structures in, uh, in the Godia movement are not, not so healthy. Mm. And how, imp- like we said, we can be quite comfortable in our spiritual life. But it needs a, a sacred shock.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to, again, to deepen it. And Manmar Brau uh, Sometimes it a whole tradition needs it also, and that's why again and again, it was a, a, a duty of spiritual seekers lovingly criticize some structures that a whole spiritual path sometimes becomes acquainted. Krishna is saying the same in Gita, yoga, nashta, parantapa. Again and again, I reveal transcendental truth and again and again, everything falls asleep. But Krishna, out of intense compassion, he says some bhavami, yuge, 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 yuge. I come, yuga after Yoga, and in one day of Brahma, there's 4,000 yugas. So in one day of Brahma, 4,000 times is coming to because everything is again falling asleep. And Krishna is not saying, come on. In one day, 4,000 times, you know what it means? This is, <clears throat> it's a lot. It will be every few seconds here in our day. But um, Krishna is never giving up so this is it's wonderful there's many many wonderful thoughts and maybe I don't know Maharaj will bring some points also from the It will okay. be a mystery <laughs> uh, unplanned <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and whenever there is please huh, we we are also here for exchange and when there is some um, topics of the heart Anything, it can always be brought in. It's okay, Maraj. Yeah. So, thank you. We will have some time together now.
1: Sri Man Chandra Prabhu Ki Jaya. Hume Magyanatimera Andasya Kya Nam Jana Chakshuran Militam Yena Tashmai Shri Guddha Vednamah Namashryashtam Manumapi Satchiputram Matrasarupam Rupam Tashra Graja Marupurim Mathurim Gostavatim Radha Kondam Gidivaram Maho Radhika Madhavasam Rapto yasha pratita gripaya shri guru tamnatushmi. Vanta kalpataru yasha vacha. Pati tanam pavane pure vishnabe pure namo nama. Nikila shruti NIRAJITA PADAPANKA JANTA Aji mukta kulai rupasya manam harinam samsrayami. Anare pitacharim tirat karunaya Hari purata sundara dyatikatambasandhi Sadhahidaye kandare spurato vasachinandana. Ajahnulambita bujo kanaka vadato. Sankirtanai kapitaro kamalaya takshu. Vishwambaro di palo. Vandi jagat priyakvaro karunāvatāru. Ladini shakti sarupāya gauranga suridāyaca bhaktashakti pradhanāya gadā dharamastate. He Krishna karunā sindho di navandho jagatpate Gopesa Bupika Kanta Radha Kanta Namastate Radhe Vrindavanadise Karunam Vrita Vahini Kripaya Nijabhadapja Dasyan Mahiyam Vradiyatam Bhaktya Vihinaya Paradha Shiptascha kamadhi tarangamadhi kripa maitvam saranam prapanam vrinde maste charanaravindam vrinde maste charanaravindam Sri Satinandan Gord Hari Ki Jai Sri Hari Nam Prabhu Ki Jai Shri Shri Gaur Nithinanda Ki Jai Shri Gaur Gadadar Jai Jai Shri Govinda Dev Jai
0: Shri Giri Dhani Jai. <laughs> Jai Shri
1: Jaganadvala Sabhadra Ji Jai Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai Gaur Primaan Hari 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 <clears throat> so good afternoon to all of you pranam thank you so much for your presence for your company for your valuable attention which is basically the best thing we can offer (laughs) someone offers your attention that's a lot that that's a very serious issue (laughs) someone is offering me their attention that's a big commitment a big responsibility to to reciprocate accordingly so hopefully i pray to reciprocate with equally attentive response to your presence here today so as krishna chandra prabhu was very nicely introducing today's meeting um we have been having many Beautiful conversations this last week or ten days or so, <coughs> and uh, well, it, it all mostly started with Sri Radhastami, like a little bit more than a week ago, and then we continued talking on that other Pandit and all these personifications of divine love. No? So we have been really deeply reflecting all these days on divine love I and mean, what's love. What's divine love? What's the, which are the implications of divine love? Mm-hmm. Because for us, at least for most of us who thread the path of bhakti, if someone asks us, what's, what's the goal of your life? At least the official answer is divine love or pram. <clears throat> of course, sometimes the answer can become a little too automatic. Like, okay, I know what's the answer to the question. The answer is love. No, but what does it mean? Well, it's because it's the word love probably is one of the the few most used words and less understood words. Generally, the words that you we use the most are the ones we understand the least. That's the paradox in our human condition. One of the words that we use the most is I. And probably we don't have too much of an idea about what that's in you know? I, or love, and so on. Hmm? Even God. Mm-hmm. You know? so easy to say God, even whether if I say I believe in God, whether if I say I don't believe in God, as we were talking these days also. Sometimes people will say, I don't believe in God. But when you inquire, they have already an idea about what God is and how you cannot believe in that idea. And probably when we talk with those people, they will present to us a very unbelievable idea of God. And I will agree with them. I cannot believe in that idea of God either. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that God is that idea that we cannot believe in. And sometimes we say, I believe in God, but we have an equally irrational idea of God. (laughs) Sometimes it's the same people say, I believe in God. Some say, I don't believe in God. And both have the same idea of God. So in that case, it may be less dangerous to not believe in that dangerous idea of God that some people may have instead of subscribing to that. <laughs> so anyhow, my point is that we have been talking about these very common words like love and trying to think about what does it mean to live a life of love, to have love, divine love, as the goal of our lives. That's not a cheap thing. That's I mean, we can say it, but the real thing is what we do with what we say, what we do with our own words. Because we can say so many things. I mean, we can, as we were talking yesterday, render lip service to so many ideas. But what's going on from the lip inside is an important thing. Now, what goes from the mouth out, that, I mean, that may have some value as long as what's going on, it's going in as well. It's going on inside. If not, it's just probably... Another cheating device that we are creating for ourselves, talking about very high ideas, very advanced, noble theological points, just as an evasive technique to avoid dealing with inner stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we have lots of very high ideas in our tradition. We have very refined philosophy, theology, very detailed descriptions of transcendence. So we have to be very careful what we are doing with that. because we can really enter into an evasive trip of spiritual bypassing, talking a lot about high things and doing very few of those high things in our life, in our inner world. So we have to be very... We have to have integrity, basically. We have to be aligned. And that's when our tradition so many times will speak about tanu Tanubhag Manovir Hamtabhashmi. Oh, Krishna, I'm yours. Embody mind and words. Now, this This triple designation is always mentioned body mind and words like implying if you want to offer those three things to Bhagavan to God those three things has to be aligned because sometimes we think something and we say something different from what we think and then we do something different from what we say (laughs) so we have a triple uh, how to say disjointed reality (laughs) (laughs) so gradually to be a a balance, a sincere sadhaka practitioner means to bring this tree in line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is what I'm saying, what I'm saying is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm a person of integrity, I'm transparent. Uh, at least I'm trying. Again, as we talk these days, we may still be uh, a disaster on progress no? of becoming <laughs> yeah. something better. <laughs> A beautiful mess, a beautiful disaster, <laughs> because it's still happening in the context of bhakti. So that's glorious. No, mm-hmm. and still we will have our days where we feel my mind is there, my words are here, my acts are who knows where. It's not too much aligned, but at the same time, all this is happening in our hopefully sincere attempt to be a devotee to offer our heart somehow or other. No, so that's still. Glorious, no? as messy as it is, as embarrassing as it may be, still that's glorious. So, in connection to the idea of love today, I want to share a few words on on, on the implications of divine love. No, so what does it mean to say the goal of my life is divine love? No, what are the implications of that? Again, let's try to like to play out the the words, the terms, to to see the consequences of our ideal. <laughs> because sometimes we may say my goal is divine love but then by saying that certain things happen in my life and maybe sometimes we don't relate to those and actually those things are happening because I said that my goal is divine love Krishna is hearing you okay you say your goal is divine love then I make arrangements in your life so you attain divine love and many times we end up praying to Krishna to make those arrangements disappear <laughs> And Krishna is saying, like, but I made those arrangements personally because you say that the goal in your life was divine love. <laughs> and sometimes we we run away from those arrangements. But Krishna say, but I mean, you say divine love and I'm sending what will take you to divine love and you're escaping from that. So sometimes it happens because, again, we don't have very clear which are the implications of divine love, of living a life of divine love. So... Regarding the book, this is my second book that was published a few months ago that Krishna Chandra was publishing in my name. Thank you for saving me from that part. (laughs) (laughs) The book, as you have seen or heard, is called Radical Personalism. And of course, there are many things, many topics, many reasons why this book came, although it was not in my plan to write this book, but it was in Krishna's agenda to send some situations in my life that as a result took me to write this book. <laughs> uh, so the title of the book is Radical Personalism. That's a way that I like to define our tradition. We are not only personalists, but radical personalists. So we want to worship God in its most personal way. In the words of Srila Prabhupada, we the supreme personality of Godhead. That's pretty personalized. He is not talking about we worship God. He is not talking about we worship the personality of God. We are worshiping the supreme personality of God. So that's more and more and more specific and personalized. So if we want to love that hyper-personalized person, (laughs) we have to become also equally hyper-personalized. What do we do with our person, with our individuality? what's the limit of being a person? What does it mean to be an individual? What does it mean that God is an individual? What does it mean that these two individuals are relating through divine love? Because love is the most personal of all exchanges. You need to be a person to love. You cannot not be a person. That's why we are so much about personhood. Because without being a person, without remaining person, we cannot love each other. Because if there's nobody else, <laughs> there's no love. Because love is an interaction, it's a reciprocal dealing, it's a back and forth. So if we hunger for total unity, total merging to the point that there is nothing but oneness, there is no love. So that's 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 the price of, of that type of oneness love in itself creates its own type of oneness oneness in spirit oneness in idea the oneness the two of us become one in our common goal so in my book i try to explore a little bit what does it mean to be a person what does it mean that we worship someone that we call the supreme personality of godhead Uh, and what's the nature of love as krishna chandra was mentioning very nicely this idea of we will never attain fully (laughs) the ultimate goal in the sense that the ultimate goal is always expanding and growing that's a very in one sense it may be an unsettling idea because generally we tend to think in terms of reaching something and okay i got it it's mine i'm there and of course, you can reach the spiritual world and you are there. You know, I'm not promoting here that you fall from the spiritual world just in case. <laughs> but once you arrive there, there is a constant expansion, evolution, unfolding. As Krishna as Krishna Chanda quoted Arjuna in the Gita saying, I never tired of hearing about you, Krishna, because your topics are always new or fresh because you are always new or ever fresh. That's the nature of Krishna. He's Navajovanam. He's always fresh, always updating himself, no? so to say, becoming every time more beautiful, if you want to put it like that. Mm. No? Krishna what? becomes every time more Krishna. Mm. Mm. Krishna means this the all-attractive. The all-attractive. What does Krishna does Kaviraj Goswami say to Tanya Krishna is becoming more attractive at every nanosecond. And if Krishna means all attractive and he becomes more attractive at every moment, means he becomes more of himself. Krishna becomes more Krishna. Krishna is Krishnaizing himself <laughs> at every second. So we have to be careful not to have a very, how to say, very fixed idea of who is Krishna. Because Krishna is becoming more Krishna at every moment. <laughs> if we have a very limiting idea, this is Krishna. but Krishna keeps expanding and growing, and we stuck here. This is Krishna. Krishna is growing and evol- evolving so much more. That's the very meaning of God. Interestingly, one word in our Sanskrit language for the absolute, for the divine, is Brahman. Brahman. The Brahman comes from the Datu, or the Sanskrit root, brim, which has to do with the term brimhati. And that means to grow and to expand. That's the root of the word Brahman. In other words, the root of the word God is to grow and expand. (laughs) So that speaks about the nature of the divine, and the nature of divine love. Because if I want to love someone who is in constant growth and expansion, that relationship has to be in constant growth and expansion by definition. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this because sometimes, even unconsciously, we may have a very uh, very boring idea of God, <laughs> a very stagnant, a very passive idea of God, a very he's changeless. He never changed, he never evolves, he never grows, he never expands. He's always the same. And that sounds to me more like hell than like heaven, basically. Let's go to a place where everything will be always the same. It's like, oops. Like Krishna Chandra was saying, no? just so there's every single day cooking for Krishna, bathing him. If you study the eternal dynamics in Golok, the Asha Kaliha Lila, it seems that they're always doing the exact same thing forever. <laughs> eternal routine. Eternal, eternal routine. Yeah. It, 8:40, 24, 10:48, 12. <laughs> it seems like even you have like the alarm uh, clock, like claim, <laughs> now I have to go this, I have to go there. Heavy agenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For eternity. Mm. So if you don't understand them behind that, there is a constant new and a newness, a constant evolution and discovery. If If you don't understand that, then probably you won't go there. You won't like to go there. Because you will think that sounds more like hell, like condemned to do the exact same thing at the exact same time, mm-hmm. have to be punctual on top of that. <laughs> 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 have to constantly punk, awesome. punctual <laughs> in something that is always the same, that I hate. That's spiritual world? No, thank you. <laughs> but of course, that's not the spiritual world. The spiritual world is something that is constantly renewing itself because that's the nature of love. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of love. Love is constantly renewing itself, self-creating itself to something new, rising to new levels forever. I know it's our mind. We cannot capture that because generally the mind is very expert in measuring. You know, like, this is starts here, finish here. And when we have to talk about love, mind has to explode by definition. <laughs> you know, if we really start to talk seriously about love, all your functions need to collapse, basically. <laughs> that's a very important epiphany, revelation that we need to have. No? That we start to talk about certain things in certain ways, that you feel that all your functions start to abandon you one after another. No, I cannot, that's too much. That my mind, my calculation, my rationality is like we are going higher and higher, deeper and deeper. That, that's important. We have to use all our functions as much as best as we can. Till they reach the point of telling us, "I can no longer walk with you." That's 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 it. I, now you, you need a transrational method, something deeper, revelation. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the nature of divine love. You know? Paradoxically, love is the greatest paradox because love is gives the greatest satisfaction, but also love creates the greatest necessity, because when you love. You have a new need now. All your other needs are satisfied because now you love. But now that you love, a new need is <coughs> arising, which is the need for loving more. The thirst for further love because love knows no limits. Do you understand? that? That's how love works. Everything is fully satisfied. Atmaram, we will say in Sanskrit, Atmaram means you become self-satisfied. That was, that's one name of Krishna, actually, also. Krishna is known as Atmaram. Self-satisfied. The beginning of the Rasa Panchadhyaya, the five chapter, chapters on Rasa Lila, that's one name that Sukhadev Goswami gives to Krishna. No? Atmaram. He's self-satisfied. But on top of that, Bhakti Thakur said Pararam. He's divinely dissatisfied. <laughs> because why? Because the nature of love is its thirst never ends. So Krishna loves, but Krishna can know, can love a little bit more, and a little, and not only a little, a lot more, and a lot more, and he can be loved a lot more. So love creates a perpetual necessity, and that's how the lila continues. Of course, that's how the lila unfolds for eternity, and it's not boring. That's how externally they do the same thing at the same time, but internally is never the same. That's very interesting because sometimes in this world we need to do different things to feel some excitement. Sometimes we don't have the capacity to do the exact same thing always and feel something new at every moment. But as sadhakas, we have to do that because, I mean, every day we are chanting, and quote-unquote, the same mantra, (laughs) doing the same things. But ideally, they should be never the same. Kirtan should be never the same. Harikata should be never the same. Satsanga should be never the same. It has the potential to be always new, always new. So some of these are the implications of divine love. I want a life that has divine love as its ideal. Okay, I'm entering into a journey that never ends. So I should never claim, I got it i captured krishna i know krishna as, as i quoted in these days and in, in ananda someone like brahma said that if you go to the brahma bimohan lila 14th chapter 13th chapter sorry of 10th canto brahma thought i know krishna i know who he is he met him at the beginning of creation so he has this exclusivity i'm the first person in the universe meeting god so I can tell you who he is because I was the first in meeting him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Krishna showed to himself, gave some instruction. They shook hands. There was some interaction. So Brahma was very sure, okay, this is Krishna. No? no? He checked all the boxes. Krishna is this, is this, is that. that that's Krishna. And then a few years after, in his life, a few years, we had the Brahma Lila where Krishna is doing picnic with his friends in Vrindavan. So that was not in Brahma's in Brahma's box. No. He thought okay. God, this this is Krishna, but in his list of what's Krishna, he didn't include he can have a picnic. Now generally you won't think that God does picnic. Now, the, the, we do picnic, not him. <laughs> so suddenly he goes to brush and he says Krishna in picnic and it was a pretty we say informal informal one. Krishna in is the god of informality. No, <laughs> he's barefoot. Imagine you, you, you don't, you are not in barefoot, barefoot in the office. No, so Krishna in is at home. That's my point. No, mm-hmm. so he's barefoot and he's surrounded by friends, and all of them are eating informally, picnic, mm-hmm. eating with the left hand, not the right one, mm-hmm. <laughs> tasting, putting in their mouths the remnants. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Now their friends are, before putting something in Krishna's mouth, they taste it first. Hmm. And they think, this this Krishna will love, <laughs> Boom. and put that in his mouth. Externally, it sounds like upper <laughs> but internally is the greatest type of love, because they are first tasting it, not to satisfy their tongues, but let's see no, Krishna won't like this one. Oh, you will love this, Krishna. Take it. No. So they're absolutely concerned with Krishna's tongue, so to say. <laughs> but anyhow, my point is that Brahma was witnessing this say scene, and this is, was too much for him because he had his idea. This is Krishna no? mm-hmm. inside the box, and Krishna was inviting Brahma to think outside of the box. So he broke. He he. Make explode all Brahma's structures. As, as we know, Brahma vimohan lila means the four heads of Brahma were spinning <laughs> like crazy. Because he came with this certainty, certainty. I know who Krishna is. That's very dangerous. No? Be careful with certainty in spirituality as we talk these days. What's the opposite of faith? Certainty. Mm-hmm. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Doubt has its place in the world of faith. Doubt can nourish, create new questions. Certainties. It's even important. It's necessary. It's important. You need to have certain doubts. Not doubts about is this real or not, but doubts in a way that they create new answers and new progress and new inquiry and new thirst and new astonishment. (laughs) But if you have certainty about everything, Mm. there is no place for nothing of that. So everything becomes like stagnant, boring, suffocating. Mm.
2: There's no aho anywhere. There's
1: no aho <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> bakiyam sanaka, asam charan charanari. We have so many bakiyam, aho bakiyam. We have so many verses in our tradition with the word aho also. <laughs> That's also in Sanskrit. It's another language. It's also aho yeah. So German, yeah, also, yeah, exactly. Mm. So this sense of Chamatkar, we will say also, no, rasa sar chamatkar. The essence of rasa is astonishment. Mm-hmm. This constant experience of oh, aliveness. No. But certainty is the opposite of that. Because mm-hmm. no? it's all everything is predictable. You know how everything will go, or you think you know, you, you try everything to be certain. And that's the opposite of faith. Faith is a journey with the unknown. Faith has to do with coexisting. With what we don't know yet faith has is more interested in what we have not yet discovered than what we already know faith has to do with being patient with mystery there are so many things that are still a mystery for us sometimes we get impatient with things that are mystery we want to figure out all mysteries we want answers to everything we, we don't have too much patience with questions well, <laughs> Sometimes a a genuine guru may not necessarily give answers always. Sometimes he or she, just in case, (laughs) Mm -hmm. will create new questions. You may have a question to your guru, and maybe the reply to that question will be another question that will send you to think about the question for the next five years or something. Maybe then comes the answer, naturally, when you are able to live with the question for some time. So, anyhow, going back to the Brahma in Lila, Brahma was pretty certain. Again, this is God. Krishna blew up his mind, all his structures, and showed, no. You have an idea of God, but God is much, way more than that. And at the end of the day, Brahma starts to pray to Krishna. One of his last prayers in the Brahma studies, There is people that say, who say, I know Krishna. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We started that one last year, I think, in Ananda Dam. We were studying Brahma's duty. So Brahma is saying that there are some people who say I know Krishna. Brahma, he's not saying that publicly, but he's implying I was one of them five minutes ago. No? <laughs> I, I was very certain I know who Krishna is. Now I won't say that anymore. He's saying now, no. He's saying, as 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 far as I am concerned. I cannot say that anymore. I just say that whatever Krishna is, all his qualities, all that he implies, this way beyond the reach of my mind, my senses, boom, Brown falls to the ground and continues crying and offering prayers. So these are implications of divine love. Again, we are trying to reach the shore of eternity, the shore of infinity, the shore of something that has no beginning, no end, is always evolving, expanding, As Srila Siddhar Maharaj will say, we can just touch one line, one point of that infinite line. That's that's as much as we can do in in our best effort. Try to to contact, access one point of that infinite line. That will be more than enough for today and probably a lifetime. So if we are representatives of such an idea, if we belong to something called in our tradition the Gaudiya Sampradaya, which is a school of thought that is delivering this message of divine love and delivering this idea of an ever-evolving, beautiful God, we should be able to represent the school we belong to in that same spirit. Mm -hmm. So in my tradition is ever-evolving. I should be ever evolving. If my, if my tradition is vibrant and dynamic, I should be equally vibrant and dynamic. <laughs> to live the tradition for myself and to naturally be a transparent representative of that to others. That's Parampara. As Krishna Pro was mentioning. Krishna himself says in the Gita that he repeatedly comes to to redeem the lineage, so to say. And sometimes he comes personally. Or many times, and that's written by the commentators, he comes through paramp- the parampar. It's not that parampar is only my Gurudev and all the Purvacharya. I'm so full and I have nothing to do there. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. We have to take responsibility also. To be part of a, a particular school means I'm taking some responsibility. It's not that if something wrong happens, speak with my guru. No. <laughs> no.
3: no.
1: I, I didn't do anything. I'm just a disciple. So if there is some problem, I didn't do it. Pro- probably even it's my guru's mistake or it's the parampara I'm just a very fallen disciple. No, that's false humility. No. No. Actual humility is taking responsibility for how do I keep, how do I keep my tradition relevant to begin with, to myself. <laughs> How much go of Bajnavism remains relevant and relatable to myself? What to speak of to others and to the world? If it's not going on in myself, what can I transmit to others in that case? No? So our duty as members of the tradition is to live our ideal, to live. It's a lifestyle. It's not, as Krishna Chandra probably said, it's not a belief. It's not a social participation, just like it's my religion. I was born in that family, uh, just carrying on with the tradition in more like copy-paste way. You know, it's very, it's very alive participation. Tampradaya is a place to participate in. No, it's not just like Card-carrying member. No, I have my card. I belong. I received this name. This I have the label. Mm-hmm. I threw the banana on that day, and I, they put some <laughs> black thing here. And I have my card. I'm a member. No. Hopefully so. Yeah. I mean, those things are nice. I'm not condemning the banana and the fire and all that stuff, but <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> that's that's in one sense a formality. That's some external, an external. <laughs> That's an external symbol to represent something that goes internally. You know? We have this big fire and we have this swaha, but the fire has to do with the fire that should be burning in our hearts first. And the grain of rice entering there is me trying to enter into the fire of surrender and giving my heart in the dynamic way. Fire means burning, means heat, means light. So all those things have, can be happening there. I have to be burning certain layers, have to embracing the warmth of affection of devotion, I have to be embracing the light of divine knowledge. and service. <coughs> If that's not happening, if the fire and the Swaha is not happening internally, we can do it externally, but that's just a performance. That's a facade. I mean, anyone can light the fire and throw a grain of rice there. I mean, <laughs> But that's that's basically reminding us externally of what should be <coughs> happening internally at that precise moment. Mm-hmm. So in, in this in this book, I try to elaborate on this idea. What does it mean to be a member of, of a living tradition? Well, sampradaya means living tradition. Again, it's not a museum. We're not supposed <coughs> to be museum pieces, like each one like doing their function. We have it's a living tradition. So if, if we enter a living tradition, we are supposed to be living members of a living tradition. Mm-hmm. As much as we can. Again, I'm not with him pointing at anyone, who, no, 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 not creating any neurosis, like you have to be more living, you have to surrender more, you are not doing... Enough. I'm not saying that, but I'm just inviting all of us, beginning with myself to ask on a daily basis, okay, what's my contribution? How can I give my heart today to this ideal of divine love? What can I do today? Not to pass the day Mm -hmm. autopilots, so to say. Just being carried by the automatic, whatever, gunas in this case, probably. (laughs) So, So this is one side from which we can speak a few words and... The implications of divine love Mm -hmm. and hopefully you don't find this what I'm saying like oh my gosh this is such a problem I didn't know that I I enter into such a complicated situation hopefully we feel wow yes I I want to embrace this no I want to to choose voluntarily this ideal of love with all that it entails Mm -hmm. yes it's okay or yes more than okay (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, maybe can you say something what does it mean for you now what is your contribu- contribution or what do you think just to give it make it a little more concrete yeah um not just to be a follower but be an active I'm participant in a, in a divine mystery, which is called Parampara. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe can you say something? What does it mean now for you?
1: Hmm. Okay. Thank you for the invitation, Krishna Chandra. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so what does it mean for me to be a contributor to the divine mystery of course i'm not claiming i'm doing any contribution but we have to try <laughs> as it's long uh, even though we may feel it's not so much what i can offer but i have to try i have to try <coughs> to offer something uh so in my personal case or present situation i will say in the life dynamics that i find myself which are quite interesting, (laughs) and quite, uh, how to say, yeah, quite accompanied by uncertainty in in many aspects. That's not a bad thing, again, remember, it's not a bad word, uncertainty. So I find myself in a situation where I feel that from the particular situation I, I am in, I have received a particular perspective to to see my own tradition from a place like I'm, of course I belong to the tradition, but also I've seen that it's good to not be so much of an insider to the tradition. Like if you are like completely identify with the tradition without looking what's going on outside of the tradition or outside of the essence of the tradition, you kind of lose sight of what's the tradition actually about if you are too much, yeah, I'm a Vaishnava I'm a Vaishnava I'm a Vaishnava in a little bit fanatical way. <laughs> you lose sight of things that you should be actually looking. So I will say I've given myself permission to, to, to see certain things that I feel need some uh, update and upgrade in our tradition. That we as a, as a community in general. I'm not pointing to one particular group or person, of course. And this happens, as Christian Chandler said, this happens often and often in time. It's not that this is only the first time this is happening, but I personally feel, as a global community, we need to, how to say, we may need to do family therapy, so to say, <laughs> <laughs> as a global community, we may need to put stop and, and rethink about how we may be doing some things, how we are understanding some things, what what's our understanding of. Probably of every single word we use on a daily basis in our Godia glossary. <laughs> because sometimes we may use words, and we were talking today with Krishna Chanda about that, no? Words and the meaning of words. And sometimes we just repeat meanings of words that don't have any meaning anymore in that that meaning is no longer applicable. They are completely like out of date. And we continue insisting. Uncertain interpretation of words. And the way we use words is the same way we think, because we think in words. And the way you think is the way you are understanding reality. So if the language you are using is not very refined, very deep, very up-to-date, that would project to the way you are relating with everything, including Krishna. (laughs) So like in any tradition, we need to take a time and put in the table Okay, well, it's not that the tradition automatically carries itself and we have to think about that. We have to develop some critical thinking. We have to develop some, how to say, some courageous, I mean, I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but at least some members of the tradition have to be able to criticize their own tradition with affection. Because I love my tradition, I'm pointing to all the things that need to be pointed because sometimes we if we don't name and frame and point to things that need to be updated upgraded that allows so many mistakes distortions even abuse yeah. to go on in a normalized way sometimes without without bad intention we end up normalizing abuse we end up normalizing hypocrisy we end up normalizing Spiritual bypassing, again, without wanting. It's not that we are planning to do that. It's not a conspiracy, <laughs> but it happens if we do not remain alert, vigilant, because that's the tendency. We tend towards things getting more shallow, more superficial, more stagnant. So we require a very, like, we will revolutionary spirit, and that's the spirit of all of our acharyas, I will say. Mm-hmm. If you pay attention, we were talking some days ago in Bhakti Not Thakur's appearance day. He made his observances about his own tradition. He was a revivalist. He was a reformer. He adjusted, he changed. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati want me to enter into detail about how he criticized his own tradition and, and, and started to adjust things that he felt this is a deviation from the norm. And, and that had a price because it's not that everyone will praise that. It will say, oh, wow, so beautiful. No, many will feel threatened by that, uncomfortable, unsettled. But someone has to say that. You know? If you go to Christianity, I mean, Jesus was the first one to criticize his own religion, so to say, <laughs> at that time, the current state of affairs. And so, so that's parampara, actually. Parampara is not like a lineage of passive consumers of a product so to say okay hmm. okay we are not consuming something in a passive way we are actively contributing to an ever-evolving uh, ideal. Hmm. so personally i feel yeah i've been put in a situation where i can hopefully offer some <laughs> constructive criticism but as a sign of my loyalty to my tradition it's not that i'm criticizing because i'm leaving my tradition I'm criticizing because I want to leave my tradition. Not to leave going out, but to leave, Mm. to be alive, to make a play of words. (laughs) And sometimes the opposite can happen. Sometimes people seem to belong to a tradition to stay, but they are remaining in their tradition for the wrong reasons. It's not enough to stay as a Gaudiya Vaishnava. We have to stay for the right reasons. Because we can stay for so many wrong reasons. We can stay for statu quo, for proceed, from precision, for feeling that I'm an elite that is saved, I'm higher than others, com- superiority complex. I mean, you name it, an ending list. And externally, it makes you a member of that lineage. But internally, we are like miles away from the essence of that lineage. And in other cases, someone may seem to be pointing at something that needs reform so may be seen as a critic but that may be a a show of that person will be showing a greatest uh, loyalty to the lineage by doing that
3: Mm.
1: so I think that's again I'm not saying every single person has to do that, some of you maybe say but Marash I've joined the bhakti movement two weeks ago (laughs) so probably your role is not to become a reformer of the tradition yet Yet. (laughs) But I will say that for some of us, especially probably for most of us here present, since Krishna Chandra say many of you have been practicing for a long time.
0: Decades. Sorry? Decades.
1: Decades. So that's part of our contribution. It's not just that I'm doing that by writing this book or talking these words. I mean, I'm just one of many who are part of the same lineage of the same conversation, which is just thinking together how we can continue making Krishna consciousness as relevant, as relatable as possible to us to begin with. And and, and so it doesn't become just a, like a belonging system, so to say. I belong to this group. That's my tribe. But it's more like a tribal identification, not so much like a deep active dynamic belonging. So so that's what Krishna Bhakti is about actually.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Trying to to belong from the deepest possible place. So anyhow, some thoughts in connection to your question. <laughs> some question? I would like to open for more questions also because I already talked a lot and I can continue doing so for those who know me but <laughs> I also want to to listen to you or if you have questions or comments or or things you might like to share addhm <clears throat>
2: Think when when you talk about like criticize or or finding things in in the tradition which are which need to be pointed off that that it can grow in, in a positive or in a good way so since there are like as you say so many groups but all these groups belong to the same family we are all followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, And there has been so many things divided within this. So finding, like, first of all, it needs a huge overview. And then finding the the things may also be difficult to point off as some people or some followers. Maybe not like, you know, like for some, it may be wonderful to point on that. And for some, it is very difficult or it will create so it takes uh, a like uh, a lot of responsibility or also for your situation to stand and in in, you know with you know what i mean to stand on your point and point at that it it needs like a lot of strength and Mm -hmm. i think uh, to deal with how how do you deal with with that for you know like uh, for your way now it, it was a lot of uh a big shift within the last year i think and how, how you deal with that personally to be like between and standing there and within this different.
1: Mm-hmm. okay so we continue with my personal experience <laughs> to this an unofficial interview with sami Padmanabha. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you mentioned Saldana, I mean, of course, when I'm saying these things, I'm not saying from from now to the next month, we need to have everything solved or something like that. No? And I'm not saying everyone will subscribe to that or anything. No? It's just, I'm not that naive to think that everyone will like, yes, let's do that and all, mm-hmm. all we are, all agree. We cannot wait for that to happen because if we wait for everyone to agree on doing something, we will not do anything. We'll do nothing so and of course there are so many things to address and to name and frame and point in the global community but probably of course the first place we have to start is with ourselves now that's why i started saying about this mind words acts alignment because if not it's just like okay i want to change the whole Gaudia community and and the wind would tell me back and what about you <laughs> You are also part of the Gaudiya community. Like Gandhi will say, be the change you want to see in the world. Don't rush too quickly to change the world, but first realize I'm part of the world and I have to change first. And probably that's the main thing I have to do. And probably that's more difficult than trying to run and change the world instead of changing me. <laughs> so as you mentioned, that's a big, big responsibility. It's beginning with myself because... I cannot point and speak about something that I'm not doing myself. That would be hypocrisy. And it's so tempting to do that. (laughs) So tempting, especially when you see in certain situation that there are some clear things going wrong. It's so tempting to go for that with activism spirit, like, and and escape from what I have to do, what I have to change. So, So it begins at home. It's not so much about let's change the whole Godia world. Yes, and i part of that Gaudia world, so let's begin there. <laughs> and then I can change my immediate close situation with my proximate approximate people and gradually expanding, expanding, not so much let's conquer the world or something. <laughs> and that's on one side. And regarding what you're asking about my personal situation, well, I'm... I'm kind of how to say <laughs> I'm kind of developing a taste for remaining in the in liminal space, so to say, right? Liminal, you know what's liminal space? Liminal space is kind of when you are going from one place to another, but you are not in one place nor the other. Mm-hmm. But you are in the transition from one place to other to the other. It's a it's a space unto itself, but it's not here nor there so to say it's just and that's called liminal space that's interesting because it's very very uncomfortable (laughs) because we generally tend towards the comfort zone what is like again, predictable some order everything in place and i'm not against that i'm not saying just leaving chaos forever that will be too much but sometimes too much order is dangerous Too much chaos is dangerous. Too much order is equally dangerous in one sense. So we have to balance the two. Certainty, uncertainty, chaos, order, darkness, light. Uh, We have to to coexist with all the things, not just one thing. That's very boring. So I'm somehow... by. The desire of the prov- providence in a, in a liminal space, as I was saying, uh, in a situation of yeah, transitioning towards something, which I am not sure, quite sure what that may be. <laughs> uh, probably all of us are in part in that. Just in case, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's only Swami Padmanava transitioning. In one sense, we could think, we could say, we are always transitioning towards something else. Sometimes the transitions are more clear or more disconcerting. Sometimes they are more smooth and we can, okay, it feels nice. And sometimes like, what's going on here? <laughs> <clears throat> but but I, I, I got to appreciate that. I got to appreciate to be in a situation where, uh, yeah, <laughs> where in one sense you don't belong here or there, but that allows you to belong to everywhere, so to say. And, uh, yeah, to be willing to to speak some things that I personally feel, I may be mistaken, of course, and I'm open to correction and to Krishna's adjusting me, but we cannot but try to talk about the things that we feel they are true and they are real and they are necessary. I mean, that's natural, trying to honor that's, those deep intuitions that came by, by grace, so... And sometimes we know, speaking about certain things will have its price, so to say, also, no? Sometimes we may think of better I remain silent, because if I open my mouth, there will be problems. <laughs> but also you have to think, oh, but if I not do not open my mouth, that will be a bigger problem. Yeah. So which problem do I, I mean, there will be problem in any way. <laughs> sometimes the problem is that we don't want any problem.
3: You know?
1: <laughs> If I open my mouth, there's problem. If I do not open, there's problem. How, what do I do so I don't have any problem? That's the problem. Uh, that we don't want problems. I mean, I'm not saying will not pray for problem. I mean, Kunt is doing that. We cannot probably we cannot imitate her probably. <laughs> but ultimately, as, as, as I like to say, we, we are there. Are not so actually there are no there are not problems. or or what we see as problems, sometimes problems come Mm -hmm. and we think, I have to solve this problem. But actually, the idea is that that problem is coming the to solve myself. And sometimes we are not very willing to be solved. And that's why we say that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No? You ultimately a blessing in disguise. This is not a problem at all. I mean, that's the teachings of our tradition. Tate nukam pams, Brahma is praying like that. If you really want Krishna's mercy, whatever comes to your life, you're basically celebrating that. That's the essence of that verse, basically. With all your faculties, you will be praising Bhagavan and feeling I'm so indebted, so grateful for whatever is coming. The word problem won't, won't, won't appear. So so yeah, sometimes one has to speak and that may create problems. Or that may create, I will say, challenging dynamics for others and for oneself. And for me, that's okay. It's not that I will put you in anxiety and make you suffer with what I say. It's not from that place, from that intention that I will disturb all of you now and I will enjoy it so much. That's not the point. But the point is, there are certain things that we need to talk about. There are very uncomfortable truths, but we need to talk about. And Mm -hmm. we have to mature to the point that we are mature enough to acknowledge if something it needs to be talked about no matter how uncomfortable that is it needs to be talked about no? yeah
0: now, i only spoke very generally so i would like to hear maybe what certain what certain topic you found especially difficult to deal with in the in the goya uh, community <laughs>
3: it's
1: so, okay, I'm, I'm creating I am giving I'm giving some suspense and mystery. So so I'll I'll read one part of one section in my book where I name a few of them. In the introduction, an in introduction to my book. The introduction is called Should I Stay or Should I Go? You may recall that song as well. Yeah. <laughs> so here I put one one list of 10 points. Two lists. One list of 10 points. Why not to stay as a Gaudiya Vaishnav? And the second list is why to stay as a Gaudiya Vaishnav? Of course, I'm not planning to leave my tradition, just in case. (laughs) But I'm considering some points that make many people leave the tradition and therefore somehow constitute a few things that need to be addressed and solved. And again, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying every single devotee is doing this or I'm pointing to one group, just some prevalent things. So I will read that list to become more specific. So thank you for your question. (laughs) For example, why not to stay as a Gaudiya Vaishnava? Point one, Mm -hmm. lack of human sensibility and psychological balance. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I mean, I can explain each one. That will take maybe 15 hours, basically. But I will say a few words quickly. Lack of human sensibility and psychological. I've, I personally have experience, and I, I have considerable experience of Gaudiya community at large and different groups and party bars and missions. Many times we are not very human. Many times in the name of becoming transcendental, we neglect a lot of our human side mm-hmm. in terms of body, mind, emotions, psychology, things that sometimes are discarded as Maya, inferior, relative, temporary, illusory. Mm-hmm. Instead, or
0: just chant and will go away. Yeah, instead of
1: thinking all those things can be employed in Christian service. Everything is potential paraphernalia to engage in Christian service. I don't need to reject anything. But many times I think there is a lot of uh, denial. No? And that takes the form of lack of human sensibility. You know? of, of not being too willing to coexist with our humanity while our goal is nara lila entering the fully human fully divine pastimes of Krishna so if we want to enter a place that will be fully human fully divine we have to become fully human to begin with mm-hmm. and lack of psychological balance sometimes I've seen many practitioners who probably need therapy technically speaking
2: and even gurus
1: and even gurus sometimes and sometimes that's what we we're talking today that's why we arrived like two hours later here because we we're walking with Krishna Chandra down the mountain and some talk people will come, we stop the walk in the mountain, yeah. we start like, and, and some other people was walking behind us, and we were like crosses, and they, oh, hello, and they continue, we continue talk, and like, we, maybe we have to continue, because we'll never arrive to today's class, so here we are finally. But yeah, sometimes in the name of being a guru, I mean, I'm not saying every guru, of course, but some people serving the capacity of guru may have some unresolved human issues. And instead of acknowledging that, sometimes we have this idea of no, whatever comes from the guru is always absolute, perfect, transcendental. uh, (coughs) And probably someone serving the capacity of guru needs to heal, to do some human healing on some levels. And if that's not going on, and if the disciples are thinking, wow, that's absolute and transcendental, and they receive unresolved trauma from their guru, Mm -hmm. thinking that's divine revelation that creates a whole difference parampara there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no?
1: Instead of delivering divine revelation, you are passing unresolved trauma. That's parampara in its own way. You are passing from one to another something unresolved. But under the presentation of that's transcendental and absolute, and you take it as such, you try to incorporate that, you become more dysfunctional <laughs> than the one who gave that to you. <laughs> and then I'm like, you yeah, have to pass this to others now and the thing becomes more and more distorted. Anyhow, that's the first point, sorry. Second, tribal thinking, institutionalism and various types of fundamentalism. I think there's a lot of that also. And again, I'm not limiting this to go the I mean, I've been talking with people in Christian, Sufi, other traditions, and it's funny because we are like, they tell me, oh, I, I have also a version of that one. We have the version, our own version of that one. So it's a side gaze, something that happens in everywhere, But we happen to be in this particular group. So tribal thinking also, like very narrow mindedness sometimes and thinking this is the only truth, this is the only revelation. Other traditions are inferior. We have nothing to learn from secular disciplines, from like psychology or history or sociology. Sometimes you need to go to them to better understand it how your own tradition in time change patterns are things that happen in the, throughout history hmm? institutionalism i think you already understand what i meant by that <laughs> no? like you have to prove loyalty to the institution like if that's more important than the connection living connection with individuals but just like we, we cannot join an institution, technically speaking. You can only join a heart. No, I cannot join, I cannot belong to an institution. I can only belong to another heart. That sometimes happens to be beating in certain, in the context of one institution. And I joined the institution on that level. But I joined that because I joined the heart of, of that one who was there. But sometimes the institution becomes too how to say, suffocating in, in, their, in its demands for loyalty to the institution, the institution is no longer rendering its ideal function, which is to facilitate an internal experience of the essence of the tradition. Like Srila Prabhupada said once, when they founded ISKCON and they were writing the legal papers, and he said, ISKCON should be run by love and trust. So That's the main rule. They were writing lots of rules and all this stuff that you have to write when you inaugurate the group. The main rule, he said, is this has to be ruled by love and trust. And he said, if at some point the development of the institution gets in the way of love and trust, the same effort we make to create the institution with the same effort we have to dismantle the institution because it's no longer rendering its original purpose. And with this, I'm not an anarchic saying burn all the buildings. And I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying institutions have their place. No, it's not absolute. It's relative. It's like a glass to bring water. The glass is the institution. The water is not, the water is the the actual substance that we want. The institution is just facilitating the delivery. If it's not facilitating the delivery, then we have to do something about it instead of over praising the merely merely to be me- the mere membership to an institution doesn't warranty anything basically that I am part of an institution doesn't make me more saved than people from another institution anyhow again each point deserves its separate class I will go a little bit quicker because it's tempting to stop which is third one unaddressed abuse of different types I mentioned that a little bit today there are Abuse is not only sexual abuse, physical violence abuse. I mean, of course, that's abuse. But there are so many other forms of abuse, something called pastoral abuse, abuse of authorities coming from religious figures where people are ostracized, shunned, and you have scapegoating, gaslighting, you know, all these type of things that may happen on a daily basis in relationships, sometimes between authority figures, and they become normalized sometimes. And if someone says something, you are an aparadi. Don't say that. Sometimes we weaponize also some of these words aparad, and that cancels critical thinking. You cannot, you don't, have, you can't have a voice because you run the risk of committing aparad, and that's the worst that can happen into your life. And you don't want to go to hell, right? No. Is there hell or not? That's another another conversation, of course. <laughs> Fourth deep cognitive rigidity and poor capacity for dynamic dialogue that's for me also again i'm not condemning everyone but that's a lot no there is sometimes not very much capacity of dynamic dialogue we are sometimes talking like very formulaic presentation of the things like do this like it fits a very automatic thing like you were david was saying before like chant Hare krishna and be happy Mm -hmm. yes but what does it mean Chant Hare Krishna? Just Chant Hare Krishna or there's a whole list of considerations?
3: Um,
1: no? Or like one devotee, Deva Madhava in, in Michigan, he likes to say, he's the president of East Michigan, Michigan he says, he he changed the phrase. and He said, Chant Hare Krishna and be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no? yeah. Because don't look for happiness only. Sometimes happiness is not what you need. First, you need to be honest because if not, you take the Maha mantra like a, like a dopamine activator or something. You know? Like, I chant to be happy, you know? mm-hmm. or I chant to stop suffering, you know? like anx- anxiolytic or something. Like, instead of taking a pill, I chant my mantra so I'm a little bit more relaxed or whatever. You know? mm-hmm. Or, like, like we say the other day, if I chant my 16 rounds without fail every day, at the end of this life, I'm going to Gulag Vrindavan. Not necessarily. Of course, if you chant your sixteen rounds or whatever number you want in Sudanam pure name, that's another thing. But what's chanting again? Chant Hari Krishna Bihab. What does it mean chant? Doesn't mean nama parath. That's not Hari Krishna. <laughs> nama parath of Hari Krishna is not Hari Krishna. <laughs> it's something else and so on and so forth. Right? What else? Not enough appreciation for other mystical schools. I find that a lot, and that creates lots lot of elitism. Like we are the, the highest ones. Mm-hmm. And okay, other schools are there, yes, but mm-hmm. they are necessarily inferior than us, of course. <laughs> and that's not that's not healthy, as we were talking today with Krishna Chandra in the, in the train about Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Uh, Briha Bhagavatamrita is the very first book of our tradition from Mahaprabhu time, Mahaprabhu's times on. That's the first book written by the Goswamis. <coughs> and what's one of the main points of Brihad Bhagavatamrita in both first part and second part, Narad Muni, Gopakumar, they are going through so many types of devotees. Narad Muni is meeting different devotees, finding for the highest devotee. Gopakumar is finding. Me- Traveling to different destinies, trying to find the highest abode. And they read something, but in the way they meet so many practitioners of different religions, we could say. Different conceptions of the divine, different religions. And what do they do? Are they sectarian? Are they insulting the Pandavas and Udav and Shiva? And no, they are appreciating the, the devotion of each one of them. Even they think, wow, this is the best. <laughs> Eventually they continue, but they always are honoring and respecting the bhakti of every person. So that's a very important teaching from the very first book of our Sampradaya, to set the precedent. You, go, the vaishnavas better follow this example and be respectful and appreciative of other traditions. And of course, in all these ten points I'm mentioning, I basically developed my whole book trying to explain how we shouldn't be like that how the essence of our tradition has nothing to do with this so all that i'm sharing here is not the essence of our tradition it's how we misinterpret what our tradition is so first i say not enough appreciation for other mystical schools other traditions of course sometimes we have not enough appreciation for members of our own tradition from other groups
3: (laughs) (laughs) Like yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: not enough appreciation for other forms of non-mystical knowledge as I mentioned with I would like secular disciplines non psychology especially psychology I will say I will say that our tradition lacks a lot of psychology yeah. you know, of, of work shadow work in Jungian terms you know, of co- coexisting with our shadow and cult culturing emotional intimacy you know generally we are a little bit uh, evasive, I will say at
3: best. said,
0: every, every devotee should have therapy, like group therapy. I would
1: go to He's a he's a psychologist, so mm. that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Another one is chauvinism, institutional mm. patriarchy, and other forms of discrimination you know what's chauvinism? Do I need the German word? No, it's okay. Chauvinism.
3: Chauvinism. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So still there is a lot of male-dominated mm. system, no? Like even in some institution, mm. go to institutions, they are still discussing if women can be gurus or not. That's for me like, it's, like, it's a joke, basically. Mm. No? Mm. Like if, if, if being in a particular vehicle gives you more adhikar mm. for bhakti, <laughs> it's like, mm. what? But anyhow, now that's I, I do not even talk about that because for me it's like absurd to even... I mean, I understand those who try to make the point, but it's just so obvious that this is nonsense. But anyhow, we see all these type of things that are prejudices and biases that are lurking into the environment. Or yes, structures of hierarchy and power. Personally, I feel that the guru-disciple relationship is very pyramidal, too much too much hierarchical uh, instead of a more collaborative teamwork. I, I develop a whole chapter here on guru and disciple. Uh, and, and we were talking today also with Christian Chandra how, okay, guru is, I'm not saying we have to cancel guru parampara, but I'm saying guru should be willing to learn also from the disciple. It's not that I'm only here, my, I'm the guru and you have to learn from me. I have nothing to learn from you if by definition the guru is more advanced than the disciple, then the guru, being more advanced also means having greater capacity to learn. So if I'm more advanced than you, I have more capacity to learn from you than probably you have from me. You follow my point? So if I'm a guru, my, I mean, being a guru is, idea, technically speaking, is not a joke. Now being a guru is not like, oh, now I'm guru. Great. I will get greater, bigger plates, lots of garlands, an ocean of kijais per day. You know? <laughs> and if you accept being a guru only for that, my God, my prayers to you. You will survive it for a weekend, basically, with good luck. It's such a serious uh, thing and that requires lots of qualification, lots of humility. Because again, if you are a guru, it means you are learning more, more from everyone else. You are more student than anyone else. Although you are in a higher seat. You just put in the seat to, to be able to serve in a better way, actually. It's just it's a service position.
0: We just discussed how <clears throat> in Shimat Bhagavatam, like the main spiritual mm. happening, what is there? It's a very wonderful situation. Shukadev Goswami is speaking. And his guru, his father, who is also like a guru, is Vyasa. He heard Bhagavatam from there. And his real guru is Narada. So, and when Sugadev Goswami speaks, both of his gurus sit in the audience and listen and feel like I'm hearing this for the first time. Because how, you know, it's so important. To advance means I can relish more. So it it is a wonderful scene just in the very beginning of Bhagavatam this is already there (laughs) but in hierarchical structures um, one thinks it goes only one way. Is it also possible that one life you're the student or disciple (laughs) and the other day you're the the guru so it's like Changing, I think, just the first
1: one. And in one sense, in a guru-disciple relationship, again, the two will be learning from one another. So in one sense, Mm -hmm. the two are teaching each other and learning from the other. So there is a place for for that experience. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: We also discussed how Srila Prabhupada, he writes, when Dhruva Maharaj Mm -hmm. goes back to the spiritual world and his guru is his mother, Mm Suniti. And he said, I will not go back to the spiritual world when my mother cannot come.
3: Mm.
0: And the Vishnu did said, look, everything is arranged for her. Also, Anshila Prabhupada, in his purpose, he is writing so beautifully. He says, I want that some of my disciples do the same for me. So this is the dynamic of a very healthy guru. How beautiful is this? And when Prabhupada writes this, I know he... He means it, it's not a
3: yeah.
0: Alankar, mm. it's not a, just an ornamentation. It's it's real because I have a greater need. I love deeper, <laughs> I have a greater need.
1: Hmm. Yeah, uh, so we're quoting also one last point in this connection. This Guru Tattva section is basically one of the main chapters here. And we mentioned that this line from Rupa Goswami, which is based from guru Seva, the relationship between Guru and disciples should be one of intimacy and trust mm-hmm. and friendship. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not like an absolute aishvarian distance, and I'm terrified about that person, and it's everything calculated, mm-hmm. and it's an overdose of reverence. That's not what Rupa Goswami is saying. He saying the relationship should grow into one of deep intimate friendship and friendship is again still my guru is my guru but there is some sense of we are working together in this it's a teamwork because we are both serving the same idea from different places but we need each other i mean a guru needs disciples to be a guru (laughs) you're going to be a guru without disciples and disciples need the guru to be disciples so both need each other so going to the last points Hmm. Oh, this is a, I mentioned that briefly, but it says disjointed relationship with matter, especially with one's physical body and its various needs. So I feel there's a lot of that in our tradition. With this idea we are not this body, yes, but how to carry that out? You know, sometimes that takes a lots of neglectfulness and stigmatization of the world, seeing the world as bad. I mean, the last chapter of the book is all about how material world is sacred. Also, and I'm quoting scripture. I'm not creating my own philosophy here, <laughs> no, because every every energy, everything is an energy of God. As we were saying with Krishna Chandra, the vision of the highest devotees, Christians everywhere. So, if Christians, if in every atom there's the presence of God, how can I say this world is horrible and I have to run away from here or whatever? I need to leave it as soon as possible. Spirituality is not an evacuation plan for the afterlife, <laughs> right? But sometimes we make it like that. We, we or, orient our practice with this idea. I have to leave this place as soon as I can. But that's moksha, that's mukti. Our goal is not mukti, it's prem. And prem is I, I, awaken, I fully awaken to the reality of love so much that I don't need to go anywhere. The only place I need to go is to love, if you want to call love a place. When you reach that place, you realize, I've arrived. The rest, I don't care. Being here, this country, this planet, up, down, that's secondary. <laughs> because Krishna is everywhere. That's the vision of the highest devotee. Krishna is present in every part. So we have to, even if we don't see that now, we have to know that's what's taking place. <laughs> the, the world of matter is not bad. The body is not bad. Emotions are not bad. Even as I talked the other day, and I won't go into detail—that requires another talk—but sexual life is not bad. a Yas is telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, many of these things, all of them, have their natural, healthy expression. We, but sometimes we need—we think in terms of transcending as rejecting. Yeah. Huh? No, no, no. Like I'm sometimes joking, but sometimes joking because if not, they have to cry. <laughs> sometimes I ask devotees, so what's your practice about? What do you do? And they will start to tell me, I don't eat meat. I don't intoxicate myself. I don't engage. No, no, but what do you do? <laughs> I don't do this, and I don't. And it's like, so you can only tell me in negative terms what your life is about. That's not so positive. No? <laughs> but sometimes we conceive big part of our practice in terms of what we have to reject instead of how to integrate how to redeem our connection with everything so yeah this world is not bad mm-hmm. Prabhupada Nanda Saraswati will say Vishwampurna Sukhayati. the whole universe is an abode of joy if we have not reached that place okay, but we are invited to reach there So two more and we are concluding with the list. The last, the the ninth one says, toxic nostalgia for past achievements and unwillingness to deal with the modern world's paradigms. So this is my opinion. This is my list. In my book, I invite the reader, make your own list. This is my list. But for me, there's sometimes lots of toxic toxic nostalgia, like how things were done... (laughs) 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful, and it was so many, but it's not enough to just go back there, but be in the present, and we now take responsibility for how that should be, like people say, oh no, Sila Prabhupada (laughs) said, be careful with that, because, okay, he said many things, but the real question is, what will he be saying now? Will he be saying the exact same thing he said 50 years ago? The world has changed quite a lot in the last 50 years, I can tell you. The world is changing faster and faster. (laughs) In the last 50 years, the world has changed more than what the world used to change in 1,000 years a few centuries ago. Before, the world changed, but not so quickly. Now, everything is going so quickly. So someone like Prabhupada or whomever said certain things 60 years ago, of course, some things he will continue say this, saying the same thing. He will continue saying Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Atma is eternal, and so on. <laughs> the whole of life is divine love. That doesn't change. But many other things, I, I will say he will say it very differently. He will change his own opinion of things he say.
3: Yeah.
1: But the thing is, okay, Prabhupada, what will Prabhupada <laughs> say? Yeah, but someone say, well, but Prabhupada is not here to say those things. You are right. So who, who is supposed to say those things? All of you. Because we are supposed to represent the previous acharas in the present. So what someone like Prabhupada would have to be saying now, it's our duty to say those things. <laughs> Instead of just going to the past, being nostalgic, doing copy-paste, and remaining out of date and irrelevant to ourselves and to the world. And the world is changing and so many things come, even sometimes scientific findings that contradict some paradigms that we had. And we have to incorporate some of those things and engage with those things. Don't be afraid to just quickly like label them as whatever. So we sometimes labeling everything as something bad is a perfect way not to to think too much and to enter into a complicated place, but that's not how a tradition grows. And the last one is over-idealized emphasis on proselytism. That's my opinion. Is that? Das ist so
0: Überzeugungsfröhlichkeit, also prätige Arbeit.
1: Over-emphasized emphasis on proselytism. Proselytism, proselytism
0: yeah. Also, dass viel mehr Aufwand gemacht wird, Inhalte <coughs> zu vermitteln, dazu zu leben.
1: Like, I mean, I have nothing against sharing the message with other souls, but their balances for all that.
0: Like a preachy thing, you mean the preachy?
1: Yeah, like, thing. like sometimes even, as I was talking before, changing the world can be the best excuse not to change yourself. So sometimes I've seen, I've seen, and I'm not saying I have been free from that. I have my, I may, I may have still, but the last 25 years but in the beginning i have my own fanatical kindergarten beginning years yeah we have a license for that no we have a license to be a little bit fanatical in the beginning it's okay it's okay all of us can use no can wear pacifier and no how do you call in german pacifier or well, the baby has that like... no, nookie.
3: Nookie?
0: Nookie. 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 nookie nookie
1: Swiss German, nookie. nookie so when we were babies we have a license to have nookie
3: mm-hmm.
1: right, and it's okay baby comes one year, two year nookie right? but if I bring now I take here like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have 40 nookies so I start to <laughs> give one to okay, let's have fun now and you will be watching like what's going on. Now, no? The class was going relatively fine till this <laughs> moment. <laughs> we lost the swami there. <laughs> Why? Because you feel that's no longer the time for that. That there was a chapter for that, and it was okay. But now I'm an adult. I have more important things to do. I mean, some of us may need to go back to the nuki sometimes. <laughs> but but my point is. There's a license for us, so we have a license to be to use nuki in devotional terms to be immature, fanatical, narrow-minded. There is a place for that, but when we pass that age and we insist on on the nuki, so to say, that's that's not nice. That's not healthy. Yeah. So I've seen sometimes this taking the form of. Okay, I want to share this message. Share this message with the world. And it sounds like, wow, you have universal compassion. Mm. But many times there's no universal compassion. Many times we just are not so convinced ourselves of what we are doing. So we need to convince everyone else. Mm -hmm. So somehow that convinces us a little bit more. Mm -hmm. If If I'm doing something, I'm not too convinced. But if I get to make you all of you do the same thing I'm doing, somehow it's like, okay, I'm doing something right because all of them are doing that also. So I must be correct. So it's not universal compassion. It's just your weak faith that you are using others to validate that. I'm not saying every time that someone is sharing the message, that's the case, but that happens a lot, especially when there's too much emphasis on that or too much emphasis on, I don't know, conquering the world and everyone has to become a Gaudi vaishnava I don't think that will happen. And it's okay. I mean, it's not happening, just in case. No, <laughs> it's not that every year we are seeing the statistics, and every time we have like we are reaching to conquer the world in terms of go division. No. And it's okay. Then my point is what makes us feel the need for that to happen. Why do I need to see everyone being doing the same thing I'm doing again? <laughs> why I'm not okay doing my own thing and letting others do their own thing why I'm not allowed why I'm not willing to coexist with diversity it's challenging of course <laughs> if everyone's doing what I'm doing it's it's more comfort zone it's easier <laughs> so yeah we, we and sometimes in this emphasis and outreach and expansion we may get too concerned with numbers and quantity and 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 just getting numbers and numbers that if that warrant is quality. So we want quality above all. And if we have quality, whatever quantity comes from that quality, that's okay. And for that, I like to think always in the Sanskrit term of, sometimes we use in English the word preaching, which is to be honest, not a word I like too much. So I prefer to go to the Sanskrit, which is prachar. Maybe you heard the word prachar. Prachar is way more specific, because prachar has to do with another word, which is achar. You know what the word achar means? Please enlighten me. What does achar mean? It's like the
0: behavior, the behavior of
3: a person.
1: Yeah. And specifically refers to good behavior. Yeah. Hmm? Because you can have bad behavior. Durachar, no apichet sudurachar. So achar means good behavior. So prachar, which very good. Although sometimes we translate that as preaching. So we take, oh, prachar means try to convince others, try to convert others. No, no, prachar means achar means good behavior, and pra means very good. Very, a very special type of. So prachar means a very special type of good behavior, which translates as preaching in the in which sense? If you behave very nicely, if you practice with sincerity, that becomes contagious. In that sense, you are preaching. That's pra- prachar doesn't mean try to take everyone and convince and like give the book and the donation as much donation as you can, whatever. <laughs> prachar means go internally very deeply and seriously, and you will become so filled that you will be filled, 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 filled. That will start to overflow. <laughs> And I will start to sprinkle other people. And that sprinkle will will touch other people's heart. And that happens in a natural way, in an organic way. You're not forcing anything, imposing anything. But you are going deep and that takes others to go deep in a natural way. That's prachar. (laughs) That's the meaning of the word. (laughs) So it's important that we remind ourselves that's what we mean by sharing the... That's what Mahaprabhu meant by sharing the message. It's not just try to convince them you know, by force to the point that eventually they feel more rejection by your technique or so to say <laughs> you know, that's not so sustainable. So you know, like one one time this idea came okay we, we have distributed too many books. Now we have to behave in such a way that people will like to read those books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And many devotees have been done. Now we have to behave in such a way that those who are devotees will like to remain devotees. Mm-hmm. Prabhupada say that. The problem say, I prefer one devotee that remains as a devotee than a new devotee. Because I, what's the purpose of having always new people coming and always having new people, old people leaving. You say, oh, there's always people. <laughs> but again, we are not trying to impress Krishna with a number. No. Anyhow, some thoughts regarding the last point. Thank you so much for the question, because, of course, it brought about all these <laughs> further topics, which I hope my, my reply was a little bit more specific regarding to where I was talking before. Uh, so, yeah, basically my whole book is an elaboration of all the things we are talking in greater detail and other topics as well, like importance of prayer and vulnerability and individuation and Anyhow, coexisting with the unknown and relationship with this world, Guru Tattva, and many other things. So, so it's so what is the
0: main point of the ten reason of the ten points to stay? What
1: is your Yeah. Good Thank question. you. Thank you so much. The the very first point of the next list that I mentioned, because the next list is why to stay as a Gaudiya Vaishnava. Mm-hmm. And the main point, the first point says, the above ten reasons for not staying are not part of the actual Godia doctrine, but rather the result of an immature understanding and application of it. So, so that's for me the most important part. Because again, all that I mentioned is not our teaching actually. <laughs> all that l- negative list is not the essence of our tradition, it's not the actual teaching. So what what gives me hope to remain so to say is to understand that's not the actual teaching it's just how misunderstand it so that creates a new necessity of let's try to understand all that properly and to correct and purify whatever needs to be corrected and purified starting with ourselves on a personal level <clears throat> thank you for the question so it didn't sound like okay i'm leaving the tradition <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> I don't want you to leave you with a catastrophic scenario or something. Okay. We are almost two hours. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I don't know if there's some any last question. If not, we we may conclude here and, of course, continue sharing personally, informally, and so on. But if there is any other question or comment or something. I have a
0: question. You were mentioning no, that how important it is that not so much to see uh, that I re- want to reform the world, but maybe first reform ourselves. And then when we discover, oh, actually, yes, there is so much to reform in me, that can also at one point be somewhat frightening. But what is the attitude Not that how can we best overcome when we see all oh, this is there, this is there, how?
3: <coughs> yeah. Sorry? you have some
0: water? Sorry? Have some water. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's the water what created that, uh-huh. actually. <laughs> 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 I drank it a little bit wrongly. First of all, Krishna Chandra, a few words into that question also. No, you yes. I'll tell you oh,
0: if... <laughs> Camera is pointing at you. <laughs> 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 I think that the deepest thing is the invitation of Radha and Krishna to this atma to this soul comes in the form of greatest untouchable hope <laughs> in any circumstance and on the basis of thus of such a hope I will have the courage To look at everything. Like to criticize one's own tradition is an expression of extreme faith. Weak faith doesn't dare. Mm -hmm. So, but if someone really has extreme hope, it's, I could jump. I could embrace everyone in the tram and in the train from overflowing of such an intense hope. And this is like the fur it's called, this is like one of the first leaves that divine intervention makes. That point, I know there is, the deepest point in me is, you know, completely starts to become at home. And there's no circumstance in the whole existence that could shake it. And all the traumas and all the difficulties really never, ever left a little <laughs> scratch on my, on the realm of the deepest hope. But on that base, I can start. And it, it's, it's like a a wonderful thing. And it actually even becomes Seva because I don't want to use too much psychic energy to constantly oppress it, suppress it, go around. But I know the deeper I come to this Atma, which is the Jiva, the, the source of all life, the more vibrant I become the more Utsaha, the more extreme enthusiasm is the nature of the soul. So, but why is it not my constant experience? Because of so many strange things. And I think it's on the basis of such deep hope. I can look at everything in a a way that it's never ever becoming a a depressive thing. But... It's just reclaiming one's aliveness. So.
3: <laughs>
1: Beautiful. Yeah, not too much to add. Actually, I was thinking and again, it happens. I love that because I was thinking to say something very similar to what Christian Chandra was saying. So for me, it's like a, a confirmation. I'm in mean, the right page (laughs) because yeah basically i was going to say we we have not to over identify ourselves with what we call an artist (laughs) there may be there but we are not that so while we may detect the presence of those influences doesn't mean that i am those and i over identify with them that would it becomes a problem and to balance that, as Krishna Chandra beautifully put is to remain aware of how much hope, how much mercy, how much unconditional love is coming to my life, and how much all that grace is no comparison to whatever things we need still to work through. No? I, I I put it, I like to put it like all if all our narrators put together, that can be a lot. <laughs> Have not still, even if that's a lot, it's basically nothing in comparison to the mercy of Mahaprabhu. So, you have to put in context all those things. So we have our messiness, but put that in the context of divine grace. So, then you can see everything from what it is. <laughs> if we lose sight of divine grace, our narratives start to become like giant monsters that are about to devour us because we lose sight of what's actually taking place in that context. As we as, as, as we mentioned these days, when Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is describing these stages of Anisthita Vajana Kriya, madhurya Kadambini of unsteadiness in Bhakti. And each one of them may sound like embarrassing. Oh, I'm, oh, okay. oh, niyam. Oh, oh, and I have all of them. I have the, but all of them are happening in the context of bhakti no here you have instability here you have bhakti <laughs> so all those embarrassing moments are part of the journey in grace so when you have all that put in mind in the scale then that's no longer something that will frighten us and we will feel like that's too much i'm getting suffocated this is killing me because by comparison, I mean, the grace that keeps coming despite all that is so great, so beautiful, so powerful that that it gives you more enthusiasm and inspiration to do, to work with those, with that little part as part of that bigger picture. And for me, that's a way, like Krishna Chandra mentioned, it's a better, more positive way to deal with that than just, I don't know. I'll fight with my Anartas and there are demons that are attacking me, and I will pray to Nestrinadev to kill all these demons and ah and enter into that type of like whatever warrior-like mentality. <laughs> Instead of becoming more like humble and acknowledging the blessed, how blessed we are already, how much mercy, how much unconditional love is there, and and how we are already on our journey to Krishna. I mean, there's no w- way back. We should be confident of that. That's not pride. That's not pride. That's trust in the in the nature of the grace that came to our lives. The grace that came to my life is so incredible that I'm on my way to the spiritual world. It may take some time, even a few lifetimes. I don't care, but the journey is already there. And, and if I'm sincere, as I want to be, there's nothing that I, that can stop me. Not because me, no but because of (laughs) the grace that is coming. That's actual humility. Although it may seem like pride to the one who is not very informed, (laughs) but that's a very necessary humility.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Instead of just pointing to my anarchist and saying I'm the world, of course there are different ways to to express Mm -hmm. all the things according to the level of the the devotions. Someone like Bhakti Thakur will express, speak about himself in a very extreme way, but... We cannot imitate that. And that's coming from another different place. But I would say that for most of us it's healthy not just to take a whip and say, I'm the worst of the worst, and I'm this, but even be able to to see so many incredible, wonderful, positive things in our lives. Not our own merit, separate merit, I'm incredible, I'm the best of the best, but in a very humbling way. No, I mean all these undeserved gifts that keep coming. I'm so blessed. And from that place, practice bhakti. From a place of gratitude, from a place of humble acknowledgement of unconditional love, that's way more substantial, sustainable, deep, real. Not out of fear, not out of duty, not out of, who knows, social pressure, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Hope that helps. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your question. So I think we can put the Hari to rest and um, and continue with other sections of the program. Shri Sechinandangor Hari ki jaya. Shri Hari Nam Prabhu ki jaya. Shri, Shri Gorde Chinnanlaju ki jaya. Shri gorgadadar Gadadarju ki sri Shri Jagnat Baladar Swadruji ki jaya. Shri Gineera Ne ki jaya. Shri... <laughs> <laughs> Shri Shri <Ghinirani> <laughs> Three man Krishna Chandra Prabhu keys. I go back to the keys. I go Hari go one chakal pataru. Yes, chakri pass